the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethagy and Bethany, at the hill he called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks along the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, and they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, for those who are visiting, uh, my name is Paul Sorensen. I'm the lead pastor here at the DI Fellowship. And we typically don't have uh, palm branches all over the sanctuary. So we'll get into what that means in, in just a minute. If you would, I'm going to share another word of prayer, so please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's a joy to be with you this morning as we began this week called Holy Week. Today, in the history of the church, it's called Palm Sunday, and we will be unpacking this passage from Luke chapter 19. But before we jump into that, I want to begin with this question. When you think of a king, who or what comes to mind? When you think of a king, who or what comes to mind? As I prepared for this message, I came across a story that was captured uh, by Kent Hughes about a recent emperor that I'd like to read to you this morning. On December 4th, 1977, in Bangu, capital of the Central African Empire, the world press witnessed the coronation of His Imperial Majesty, Bokasa I. The price tag for that single event, designated and choreographed by French designer Olivier Bryce, was $25 million, estimated at $80 million in today's currency. At 10.10 a.m. that morning, the blare of trumpets and the roll of drums announced the approach of His Majesty. 
The procession began with eight of Bokasa's 29 official children parading down the royal carpet to their seats. They were followed by Jean Bedel Bogessa II, heir to the throne, dressed in a white admiral's uniform with gold braid. He was seated on a red pillow to the left of the throne. Catherine followed, the favorite of Bokasa's nine wives. She was wearing a $73,000 gown made by Lanvin of Paris, strewn with pearls she had picked out herself. The emperor arrived in an imperial coach bedecked with gold eagles and drawn by six matched Anglo-Norman horses. When the marine band blared the sacred march of his majesty, Emperor Bokasa I, his highness strode forth, cloaked in a 32-pound robe decorated with 785,000 strewn pearls in gold embroidery. White gloves adorned his hands, pearl slippers his feet. On his brow, he wore a gold crown of laurel wreaths like those worn by Roman councils of old, a symbol of the favor of the gods. As the sacred march came to a conclusion, Bocasa seated himself on his $2.5 million eagle throne. I know. Incredible. Took his gold laurel wreath off as Napoleon, and as Napoleon, 173 years before, had done, took his $2.5 million crown, which was topped with an 80-carat diamond, and placed it on his own head. At 10.43 on December the 4th, 1977, the 20th century saw a new emperor, Bokassa I. And mercifully, Bokassa would not reign for long. He was so hungry for power and wealth that the story goes he slayed hundreds of schoolchildren because their families would not buy uniforms from his company. So two years into his reign as emperor, as he was away on vacation or travel, uh, the French successfully um, operated a coup and took over uh, the empire, dethroning Bokassa. You see, as we hear stories like this, I think in our hearts, we all long for a different kind of leader, a different kind of king, don't we? compared to those we see in our world today. And that's at the heart of Palm Sunday. That's at the heart of our passage. I think the big takeaway, the big idea is this. As we begin Holy Week, we are invited to know Jesus, a new kind of king. Let me repeat that. As we begin this Holy Week, we are invited to know Jesus, a new or different kind of king. As our passage illustrates, Jesus is the king of promise. He's the king of joy, and he's the king of sorrow. So we're going to spend the next few minutes just unpacking these three points. Point number one, Jesus is the king of promise. The passage reads, he went on ahead, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near the Bethphage in Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you. 
where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. And so those who were sent away uh, found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. So a little backdrop to Luke chapter 19. What's going on as Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem as we enter into Holy Week? Well, here's the deal. Jesus has become a folk hero. Great teacher, great pop prophet. And yet, he's still uh, uncertain or confusing to a lot of people. Maybe he's confusing to you today. But something happens as he rolls up to Jerusalem. You gotta think, like, the crowds are, there's, there's so many people following him. He's raised people from the dead. He's called sinners into communion with him and into communion with God. He's had a woman named Mary pour very expensive um, fragrance upon him to anoint him. He's cast out demons. He's done all of these things. He's, he's super popular, but then he does something that no one really expects or knows what to do with. He rides into Jerusalem as the long-awaited Messiah King. What do I mean by that? Well, through his own instruction, his own self-proclamation, he tells two of his disciples, it's time. Please go and untie and get and retrieve this colt or donkey. And light bulbs would have started coming on for some of these guys and some of the listeners and some of the leaders. Why? Because this was a prophetic fulfillment happening in their midst. You see, in Zechariah chapter 9, these words are written from the Old Testament. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, we, we read and receive words like this, these promises. I will save my flock, God says, and they will no longer be plundered. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince amongst them. So all of the Old Testament, there's this eschatological expectation. There's this hope that this Messiah, this Savior, would come and liberate the people from their bondage. And when they were thinking of liberation, they were thinking of social and political liberation, but as we know today, Jesus meant, oh, so much more. But it was staggering because when a king would come in to his coronation in those days, he would at that time ride a war horse, displaying his power, kind of like Bokassa with his 700,000 plus pearls. He'd say, look at me and look at my power. I ascend my throne. Jesus doesn't ride in on a war horse he, he rides in on a little donkey. What? Right? It would have surprised them if it surprises you. You see, this donkey 
Uh, when David was reigning, David himself rode a donkey to proclaim that he was king. It was a symbol of peace. And in fact, even when he was handing over the throne to his son Solomon, we, we read about Solomon riding in on a donkey. You're like, what? It's a symbol of peace. Shalom, total flourishing. But then after the Davidic reign, the nation of Israel and all the surrounding nations, they would ride in with their chest out, with their big, you know, processional. Not Jesus. He comes in lowly and humble. You see, as the Messiah, he comes in humility and hope. Why? To set us free, to save us, to fulfill Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 22 and 24. So this passage starts with Jesus himself coming as the king of promise in the Davidic line, the Messiah. And then something happens. We see that he's the king of joy. The passage goes on, and they brought it, the colt, or the donkey, to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Okay, quick question, participation moment for our church. If you're a young girl in the room, or even an older girl, or even an older guy, if your answer to this question is yes, you're just gonna bat your eyes at me, okay? You don't have to raise a hand, just bat your eyes. I have a daughter, her name's Sailor Grace. I think she's helping in the kids' zone today. She will put on music and she'll say, Daddy, watch me. And she'll start singing the music and she'll start doing her thing. And she, she, you know, and she, she wants me to watch and smile and clap. Uh, and <clears throat> I did it too. I might still do it. If you've ever done that, if you've ever put on a praise song or just a song in general and started to get your, your singing on or your groove on, just bat your eyes at me, okay? Okay, a lot of batted eyes. There's a lot over here. Okay, listen, listen. Um, that's what's happening in this moment. Have you ever discovered that you are made for praise? Do you know that you are made to be filled with the joy of the Lord? Last weekend, I was invited on this diff men's hike. And here's a picture of the men that went on the hike. This is before the hike, we're all smiling. About 25 to 30 men, we went up for four days into the mountains. We were told very little. We were told to get certain supplies, but just uh, how much longer? Oh, a mile, mile and a half we have to hike. What are we gonna eat? I don't know, we'll discover that later. It was, uh, it was phys physically exhausting, right, Butch? Right? But it was spiritually so deepening God met us on the mountain. And he drew us not just to himself, he drew us to one another. Here's a picture of us 
hiking in Pisgah National Forest. Some days were beautiful. Some days were not so beautiful. I guess they're all beautiful, but they were rainy and cold. Right, Jason? But occasionally we got these majestic views. Look at this. Just gorgeous, these pictures. And you could see for miles, peak after peak after peak. And it wasn't just about the, the, the physical beauty that grabbed our hearts. Grab, God grabbed our hearts in ways we, we didn't expect. And here's a picture of what that looks like. This is a picture of a young man, a young professional in our church, who said, I'm ready to be baptized. And one after another, after another, after another, said, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. From no background, Catholic background, Protestant background, other faith backgrounds, I'm ready, Jesus. Make me new and whole again. And you can see, I, I don't want to out somebody, but I'm gonna because I don't think he's here. You can make fun of him next week. I'm screaming. I'm the guy in the green hat. The guy in this hat in the background, he, what kind of face is that? He's cold. It's 40-some degrees in that water. But God was lighting up our hearts, and he was lighting up our community. And after each man was baptized, this happened. Shouts came out from the mouths of the men, and they were screaming one after another, and the praises ascended into the heavens, right? See, God sent his son, Jesus, to be the king of promise and the king of joy. Do you know that joy today? Are you longing for that joy today? Well, that's what Palm Sunday is all about. That's why you're here this morning. God wants to fill you with joy as you see and recognize Jesus, the Messiah King. And see, um, I'm colorblind, but I think there's a guy in yellow or green, right? This guy, I don't see him here today, Frederick. Frederick's a doctor in our city. He's real quiet. You might not even know him. On the last day, uh, we got up. It's raining. It's muddy. But nonetheless, we set out together. And all of a sudden, as we're hiking up the mountain, I hear these words. And if you know these words, you can join in. Oh, Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And all these men were singing as we were hiking in the mountains. 
You see, when Jesus enters our lives, praise flows from our lips. And these guys were praising God together, some for the first time. It was so special. And that's what we see as Jesus rides in on that little donkey into Jerusalem. The crowd screams out. They praise out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And they're directly quoting in this first part, Psalm 118, but they make a little adjustment. You see, Psalm 118 reads, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they say, no, blessed is the king, King Jesus, for he comes in the name of the Lord. And now in John chapter 12, a parallel account is recorded, and yet more is added. It says they, the disciples, they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Hosanna meaning save now, save us, save Lord. In the palm branches for the nation of Israel, they represented liberation and hope. In fact, during one of their revolts, they actually put palm branches on their coins to symbolize that hope is lasting. And then we read that as Jesus rode along, they spread their cloaks or their jackets in the road. So they're singing, they're praising, they're taking out their coats, they're laying them before the donkey and before Jesus. They're rolling out a red carpet and they say, all I have is yours. All honor and glory to you alone, Lord Jesus, the Messiah King. Picture the scene. Listen to the sing, scene. It would have been so, so stunning, so beautiful. Point two, Jesus is the king of joy. Point three, Jesus is the king of sorrow. The passage takes a big turn here. It says, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you, surround you and hem you in on every side, tear you down to the ground. You and your children within you, they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. If you're like me, you're reading about the king of promise, the songs of joy, and then you get this weeping and you're like, Jesus, what? What are you doing? We have this shine Jesus shine moment here, right? And all of a sudden you're crying and you're stopping. You're proclaiming this oracle of doom. What? But there's a deep truth that I think many of us can relate to as we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Just as there's joy in the reception of God's love, there's sorrow in the rejection of that love. Just as there's joy in the reception of God's love, there's sorrow or deep pain in the rejection of that love. 
Just as an illustration to make this point, try loving an addict. One of my best friends is in a really bad place right now. I've, I grew up in a family with addiction <laughs> that's still playing out today. And if you're in that world, whether you're an addict or someone in relationship with someone that struggles with addiction, it's, it's really hard because at certain points you can see the life that's being led and you can see the destruction down that path and you can cry out, friend, stop, turn, reach out, reach out, reach up for help. But sometimes they say no. Sometimes they're not ready. We call it raising the bottom. We try to raise the bottom and, and have them receive the help they so desperately need. But sometimes they say, hey, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to be my own king. Right? Can you relate? Do you have friends and family? It's interesting. I love these words from Tim Keller. Every religion has a prophet who is pointing to God. Jesus is the only one who says, I am God and I'm coming to find you. God's love comes down in Jesus. You see, when we're dealing with Jesus, we all have a choice to make. And when we make a choice that turns away from him, it breaks his heart. He weeps for you. He weeps for me. He weeps for us. He's the king of promise. He's the king of joy. He's also the king of sorrow. C.S. Lewis writes these words, look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. Today, for some of you, it's your day to say, Jesus, I turn to trust you, either afresh or for the first time. And I don't know what that means, but I know I need you. I know I need you to ride into my life and to set me free. I know I need you to ride into my life and save the relationships, the friendships, the family around me. That's why the men on that mountain were screaming and celebrating. They were confessing and being set free. Amen? Jesus wants to set us free. In conclusion, and to summarize, as we begin Holy Week, we are invited to know this and to know him, a new kind of king. I don't mean just know about him, I mean know him and trust him with your all in your everything, whatever that looks like today. Just as he rolled into Jerusalem, he wants to ride into your life and to save you and to set you free. You see, Bokasa caused others to suffer for his gain. Jesus chose to suffer for our gain. Why? because he loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Do you believe that? Do you receive that today? Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would search us and you would know us. And you would call us to yourself. As we enter into this time of response, God, would you forgive us, cleanse us, and redeem us? Would you save us? If that's where you're at today, you can just silently say yes. Save me, Jesus. We welcome you, Jesus, King of promise, King of joy, King of sorrow, into our lives. Lead us and love us, not just today, but in the days to come, in the days everlasting.